Hi, I'm Sarah. Hi, I'm Megan. This is an amateur's take where two people talk about subjects of which we have no authority to educate you on, but we're going to do it anyway. Today, Megan is teaching us about the serial killer, Ed Kemper. Buckle in, guys, because he's icky. So, Sarah, what do you know about Ed Kemper? Do you have any prior knowledge of him? Um, not really. I know a lot about a lot of serial killers, but Ed Kemper is one of the ones who I actually haven't seen any docs about him, have listened to zero podcasts. I don't don't know much, so I'm a, I better uh, put my seatbelt on, you know? Buckle up, girl. Click it in. His homeboy is icky. All right, so let's get into it so I can teach you all about Ed Kemper and his super disgusting ways. When I go into the, the murders, you'll definitely know who I'm talking about because I've made jokes using, like, the main thing that he does to his victims a lot. So so today I'm just going to talk about his early childhood his early childhood, and then his first murders, which was a double murder that he committed when he was 15. Yeah, and then next episode, after your episode next week, I will be talking about the co-ed killers, the co-ed murders, I guess, which are the ones, the murders that he committed at, like, all of the... Um, they were only of college girls. Most of them went to UC Santa Cruz or, like, surrounding colleges or community colleges. Okay, I, th- I think I've heard about those ones, actually, come to think of it. Yeah, he was called the co-ed killer. That's his, like, serial killer nickname. Edmund Emil Kemper III was born in Burbank, California on December 18th, 1948. He was a middle child and the only son of Carnell, which is the worst name I've ever heard. Her name is Clarnell. He was born on December 18th, you said? Yeah, due to Sag. That's very close to my birthday. I know, I saw that and I was like, Sagittarius boy! Oh boy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, okay, so he was a middle child and only son to Clarnell, don't know why they named her that, Elizabeth Kemper, and um, Edmund Emil Kemper II. Um, Edmund II was a World War II vet who, after the war, tested nuclear weapons in the Pacific. And um, right before returning to California, where he worked as an electrician. And Clarnell often complained about Edmund's um, menial electrician job. And she later said, which to which he later said, um, suicide missions in wartime and atomic testings were nothing compared to living with her. (laughs) And he said that Clarnell affected him, quote, more than 360 days and nights fighting on the front lines did. I love a good, like, salty man. Early on, Edmund Kemper exhibited a bunch of antisocial behavior, such as cruelty to animals, one of, like, the number one things that show people are going to become serial killers. So at age 10, he buried the family's pet cat alive. He then waited for it to die, dug it up, decapitated it, and then mounted its head on a spike. Like, what's the point? Why go through all of that effort to... Motherfucker was 10 years old, and he whole-assed a medieval, like... That's a medieval, like, technique that they do to, like, scare away, like, enemies. He was 10 years old when he did that? That was 10 years old. 10. That's just, like, doing the the most. It's stressful. It gets worse. (laughs) Also, remember the whole decapitation thing. That's very important to who Edmund Kemper is as a person. His soul, really. Um, Kemper later stated that he derived pleasure from successfully lying to his family about killing the cat. So he liked lying about killing the cat more than he liked killing the cat at the time. Which is weird, but whatever. 
Then, at age 13, he killed another family cat, which, because he perceived it to be favoring his younger sister more. So, he killed it, dismembered it, and then kept the pieces of it in his closet until his mother found them. Cute. Okay. Love. We love it. Okay, and then... (laughs) So his elder sister, Susan, teased him and asked him why he didn't want to kiss his teacher once because she obviously had a crush on her. And he said, and I quote, if I kiss her, I'd have to kill her first. Oh, sexy. Okay. Little fun thing about Ed. His fun little kinks like that. He also recalled wanting to sneak into her house when he was younger, armed with like his dad's gun and then just like watch her sleep, he said. This was all when he was, like, 10 or 13. Like, he was young. He also stated in an interview that some of his favorite games when he was little to play with his sisters were, quote, gas chamber and, quote, electric chair, in which he'd ask his younger sisters to tie him up and then flip an imaginary switch, and then he'd pretend to be electrocuted. (laughs) I don't know why that was a game that Ed sound fun that's not even like that's not even scary okay it's just fucking weird like why would that be fun to play like what about writhing like like faking dying is fun for anyone like if you if you if you're already gonna kill a cat and then you're gonna pretend to die to kill that 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 whole that whole um timeline doesn't make sense okay he also had two near-death experiences in his childhood once his older sister pushed him in front of a train the second, she successfully pushed him into the deep end of a pool, and he almost drowned. So, in 1957, his parents got divorced, and his father moved away, which caused him to be raised by Clarnell in Helena, Montana. Um, he said he had a severely dysfunctional relationship with his mother, who was a neurotic, domineering alcoholic who frequently belittled, humili- humiliated, and emotionally abused him. Sounds like a narcissist. Oh, yeah. Clarnell often made her son sleep in a locked basement because she feared that he would harm his sisters. Um, she said he would, quote, molest them. And he kept calling him a monster and things like that. Yikes. I mean, but was she wrong? Um, uh, okay, and then she regularly mocked him for his large size. He stood 6'4 by age 15. Yeah, I think the tallest, like, his height now, because he's still alive, I'm pretty sure. He's still in jail. He's, like, 6'9", and, like, almost 300 pounds. Dude's fucking huge. Like, giant. Um, She also would constantly call him a real weirdo and then describe him to others as a, quote, real weirdo. And then she told young Kemper that he reminded her of his father, who she fucking hated. And and he would always describe her as a sick, angry woman. That's always how he described her. And it was later postulated by psychologists that were like, and people that had interviewed him, that she must have, that she probably suffered from borderline personality disorder. Okay, so now we're gonna get into his first murders. Okay, so at age 14, Kemper ran away from home in an attempt to reconcile with his dad, who lived in Van Nuys, uh, California. Um, he got there, he learned his dad had remarried and had a stepson and really didn't want Kemper to be there. So he shipped him off to his paternal grandparents who lived on a ranch in the mountains in North Fork, which I'm assuming is also in California. I didn't Google it. Kemper hated living in North Fork. He, which North Fork is just a funny name. Doesn't that remind you of the town that's in Twilight? <laughs> that's, what, that's what it's called? 
I don't know. I think I think it's something like Fork or something like that. It's a dumb name like but that. But somewhere in Oregon, yeah. Anyway, back to Ed. <laughs> um, he described his grandfather as senile and then said that his grandmother was constantly emasculating him and his grandfather, which reminded him of his lovely mother, Clarnell, who he fucking hated. The name, the name is just horrible. Like, she would have been a horrible person no matter what with that name, I think. It sounds like an old-timey man's name, like, from the South, that they just added an L to the end of it. It's like, whoop, now it's a woman's name. Like, seems, like, kind of half-assed. Like, they were going to name her Carl, and then they're like, well, fuck. (laughs) Okay, so after, so, yeah, he's, grandma reminded him of mom, and then he was like, fuck that. So, on August 27th, 1964, Kemper was sitting at the kitchen table with his grandmother, Maude Matilda Hewley Kemper. That's a fucking name. Who is responsible for all of these names? I don't know, but people in the fucking early times, or the early times. <laughs> the early times. <laughs> that sounds so the dark. Early like, times. It sounds like a like a like the like right before the Renaissance. Like. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, he was sitting at the table with his grandma, who had like nineteen different names. When they had an argument about him killing birds on the ranch. And she was like, hey, Ed, can you fucking stop? And he was like, no, I want to do what I want to do because I'm a bad bitch. And then he got pissed off, stormed out of the room, retrieved a rifle that his grandpa had given him to go hunting with because a ranch. And then he re-entered the kitchen and fatally shot his grandma in the head before firing twice more into her back. And some accounts mention that she suffered multiple postpartum stab wounds in the kitchen. Also, to make it even creepier, she was reportedly working on a children's book. Like, she was either drawing or writing a children's book at the table, and he shot her over it. Well, you know, boys will be boys, right? (laughs) Oh, my God. We can't, you know, he was just angry. Teenage boys have so much emotions, they can't handle it. You you can't control it, you know? It's just they're going to do what they're going to do, and we can't hold them accountable for it. You know what's funny is that th- that actually turns out to be kind of true. <laughs> just wait. <laughs> then Kemper waited for his grandpa, uh, Edmund Emil Kemper I, um, who returned from grocery shopping, and Kemper went outside and shot him in the driveway. Then he didn't know what to do next because he killed both his grandparents and was in the middle of nowhere. And was like, well... I guess I'll call Carnell. So he called his mom. Carnell. And she was like, what the fuck? Call the police. So Ed did. He called the police and waited patiently inside the ranch house until he was taken into custody. Which, okay, just imagine walking upon that scene or like being that officer. You get a call from 15 year old that's like, hey, I just shot my grandparents. And he's like, cool, for sure. Drive up the country road. They got a bunch of cop cars. And you see a dead man, like a dead old man, just shot, laying in the driveway. And then you see a 15-year-old boy that's, like, massive, sitting on the front stoop, holding a gun. And then you go inside, and his dead grandmother's just sitting at the kitchen table. And everyone's just calm. Like, that's what I imagine. Because Ed Kemper is just calm. This just feels like one, one of those situations where, like, in light of current events... We definitely should have other people on this scene aside from just the police because the police aren't going to know how to handle that situation psychologically. And so, sure, like, bring a cop because, you know, he just killed his grandparents. But at the same time, bring someone else who will know how to communicate with this. Anyway, that just made me think of that. Oh, yeah. But it doesn't because Ed Kemper's weird. Like, 
he has very so they talk about it later because he so okay no they go into a whole diagnosis of him that's really interesting so after he was arrested they asked him why he killed his grandparents and he just said i just wanted to see what it felt like to kill grandma and then testified that he killed his grandfather so he wouldn't have to know that his wife was dead you know that person that i was friends with in high school who was like this literally reminds me of that when I was in this park with this person and they they asked me, they said, hey, Sarah, would you ever kill anybody? And I said, I don't think so. And then I said, would you? And they said, yeah, I just want to know how it feels. I want to experience everything. We are absolutely terrified. in a park together at like 10 p.m. in Colorado. Okay. So I'm alive, so that's good. But like in that moment, I was like, this could be it. That is stressful because you could have ended up dead on those swings, bro. Like, <laughs> Anyway, back to this serial killer in the 70s. So the psychiatrist Donald Lund, who interviewed Kemper at length during adulthood, wrote about these murders specifically that in a way that this was his way of avenging the rejection from both his father and his mother. So he wasn't actually like mad at his grandparents. It was just like a displaced rage because... He was mad that they reminded him of his parents and his mother. And that's why he killed them. Which is what the psychologist said. Which apparently to this guy, not that big of a deal. (laughs) So, Kemper's crimes are deemed incomprehensible for a 15-year-old to commit. Which means that he just didn't understand what he was doing because he was 15. Wrong. And court psychiatrists diagnosed him as a paranoid schizophrenic before sending him to... And I don't know how to say this hospital, but I'm going to try... Addis Gardero? Addis Gardero. I don't know. That sounds right to me. Addis Gardero State Hospital, a maximum security facility that housed mentally ill convicts. I'm not going to say the name of the hospital again because it's too hard, but um, at the hospital, the California Youth Authority psychiatrists and social workers disagreed with the court's diagnosis of him, and their report stated that Kemper showed no flight ideas. Don't know what that means. No inference with thought, no expression of delusions or hallucinations, and no evidence of bizarre thinking. They also observed him as being intelligent and introspective. Initially, his IQ tests were measured at 136, which is over two standards deviations above average. So, which means he was super fucking smart, (laughs) which most of your killers are. We know this. But later on, he was re-diagnosed with a less severe condition, which was a personality trait disturbance with slash passive aggressive type which i googled and it means passive aggressive behavior with an obligatory symptom of passive aggressive personality disorder persons with passive aggressive personality disorder are characterized by procrastination covert obscurism don't know what that means and then inefficiency and stubbornness i just feel like that's just a dick like they just described someone that's an asshole but whatever that translates to dick (laughs) and parentheses at the end dick (laughs) um later on in his time at the hospital kemper was given an iq test and he was given a much higher result of 145 kemper was a model prisoner and he trained him and he was trained to administer psychiatric tests to other inmates so this crazy fucking dude was giving like psychological tests to other crazy people which is a very common thing in Kemper's life. No matter what prison he's in, everyone at the prison loves him. And he has like very like important jobs in the prison, which I'll talk about in episode two. 
like right now he runs like a bunch of different prison like prison workshops and prison like businesses and they're all totally legal and everyone's like oh yeah ed ed's great and i'm like he murdered 10 people but okay like um one of his psychiatrists later said and i quote he was a very good worker and is not a typical psychopath he really took pride in his work interesting so on December 18th, 1969, on his 21st birthday, Kemper was released on parole. Against the recommendations of his psychiatrist at the hospital, he was released into the care of none other than his dear mother, Clarnell. Yeah, Clarnell! Who at this time had remarried, taken a new surname named Strandberg, Strandberg, and then was divorced again. And had moved into 906 A. Ord Street in Apatos, California, which was a very short drive from where she now worked as an administrative assistant at the University of Santa Cruz. Foreshadowing. Dun dun dun. Okay, so her letter de- later demonstrated further to a psychiatrist that he was rehabilitated. And then on November 29th, 1972, this motherfucker had his juvenile record permanently expunged. It doesn't exist anymore. This is what the report said from his probation psychiatrist. It read, and I quote, If I were to see this patient without having any history available or getting any history from him, I would think we were dealing with a very well-adjusted young man who has initiative, intelligence, and who is very free of any psychiatric illness. In my opinion, he has made a very excellent response in the years to treatment and rehabilitation, and I would see no psychiatric reason to consider him to be any danger to himself or to any member of society. And since it may allow him more freedom as an adult to develop his potential... I will consider it reasonable to have a permanent expungent of his juvenile records. Ah, oh, to be a white man. <laughs> How wrong this fucker was. <laughs> oh, okay. So while staying with his mom, Kemper attended community college in accordance with his parole, um, was hoping to one day become none other than a police officer. Oh, boy. I did not know that. This is a big thing. Ed Kemper wanted to be a police officer, and he was um, rejected because he was too big, which I thought was funny. Because, like, what a a reason. Who knows? Not because he murdered his grandparents or was insane, just because he was too tall. And he maintained a close relationship with the Santa Cruz police officers, despite his rejection from joining the force. And he became a self-described friendly nuisance around the bar called the jury room which was a popular hangout for local law enforcement officers. So Ed Kemper was homies with cops. Everyone loved him, which low-key remember because that comes into play later when he's murdering people. Um, Kemper worked a bunch of menial jobs um, before gaining unemployment, I mean employment, not unemployment, before gaining employment with the State of California Division of Highways. Um, During this time, his relationship with Clarnell became super toxic, super hostile, and they were just fighting all the time to the point where their neighbors would hear them fighting like every day. Um, Kemper last described an argument with his mom around this time saying, um, my mother and I started right on with horrendous battles, just horrendous battles, violent, vicious. I never been such a vicious and verbal battle with anyone, which also like, 
I can I can kind of see his mom just throwing a bunch of like really deep digs like you fucking giant like <laughs> she I love the accent that you that you grabbed there. I don't know why she has that accent. She's from fucking Montana. Like she probably doesn't We're have not, that like, accent. We're not like in like New York. Like New Jersey right now. You <laughs> fucking giant. <laughs> oh, Ed Kempa, you <laughs> Oh, Ed Kempa. Ed, you fucking asshole. You fucking asshole, Ed. I I like that better though. Me too. That's what, I'm imagining that's what Carnell sounded like. It makes it sound better. It makes it more interesting. Anyway, he said, it would have come to fist with a man, but it was my mother, and I couldn't stand the thought of my mother and I doing these things. Gross. She insisted on it and just would go over stupid things. I remember one roof razor, which, gross term. It's just so old. Roof razor was over whether I should have cleaned my teeth, which you should have. You should have cleaned your teeth, but Interesting. When he had saved enough money, Kemper moved out to live with his friend, um, but there he still complained that his mother was overbearing because she'd call regularly and just show up unannounced often. He had a bunch of financial difficulties, though, which did result in him having to frequently move back to his mom's house. At a Santa Cruz beach, Kemper met a young student from Turlock High School, whom he became engaged to in 1973, and I want to point out that this man was in his 20s. I don't know exactly how old, but he was in his 20s, and this girl was in high school. Okay. I was just going to, I was about to clarify that. I was like, high school. He's in, okay. Yes. Yeah. He was released when he was in 1969, I believe, and he was 21, and now it's 73, so he's like 25. Yeah. Mm. Um, The engagement was broken off after Kemper's second arrest, and his fiance's parents requested her name not be revealed to the public. So that means that this woman was engaged to him the entire time he was murdering women. Just putting that out there. And she was like a teenager. <sighs> the same year he got engaged, he, became, uh, he began working at the highway division and Kemper was hit by a car while riding a motorcycle he had just recently purchased. His arm was badly injured in the car accident and um, he received $15,000, about 90 grand in 2019. Um, and in the settlement with the civil suit and he filed that he filed against the car's driver. Um, I'm going to give a little preview about the murders. So one night he was driving around in his 1969 Ford Galaxy that he had bought with part of his settlement money. And he noticed a large number of girls were just walking around alone hitchhiking. So he thought it'd be a good idea to begin to store plastic bags full of knives, blankets and handcuffs in his car. And he then began picking up young women and peacefully letting them go. He said um, he picked up around 150 hitchhikers before he killed one of them. He said he didn't have any homicidal urges or sexual urges, which he called his little zappies, and then began acting on them. Little, little, little zappies. Oh, sorry, little zapples. My bad, zapples, which is worse. What does that even? Okay, all right. Also, one thing about Ed Kemper, though, is if you listen to any interviews with this man, his voice, no matter what he's talking about, is so calm. And it's so, like, did you see Mindhunter? I saw the first episode, and that's it. Oh. Well, they have, like, a they interview him, like, a guy plays him on the show, and the cadence of his voice is exactly the same cadence as, like, the real Ed Kemper. It's very much like this, and it's very matter-of-fact, and I I did this, and then I did that, and then I murdered her and fucked her dead body. Like, that's very much his cadence. 
there has to be some level of personality to them to get them to get a woman in their car. Like every woman that like every victim that got away or took a ride with him before he started murdering people always said that M. Kemper, the only reason they got in their car is because he looked harmless. Like, yeah, he was big, but he was very like wouldn't look at them in the eye. He was very shy. Like he, you know, he just looked like a fucking nerd. Like he just looked like a nerd that wouldn't do anything, you know? it and then she's wrong just wrong i mean so next episode when i talk about the murders the first time he killed someone like a woman not his grandparents he tried to stab her and she didn't die because he thought it would be like a movie and he was like i thought she'd just fall over and she did it and i was like ed you're a fucking idiot <laughs> like they're all dumb like that's a that's a thing though because like serial killers i realized are like those smart people that have no fucking sense of common sense like there's, like, kids that go to MIT and stuff that don't understand, like, I don't know, how to order, like, something from a bodega. I don't know. Like, just very common things. And they're like, wait, what? And you're like, you go to MIT and you don't know this? Like. All right. So that was in part one of Ed Kemper. Um, next week, Sarah is going to be talking to us about. I don't, I don't even know how to fucking pronounce it, dude. Yes. Dyatlov Pass is wild. It is an event in which nine Russian hikers died in the northern Ural Mountains between February 1st and 2nd in 1959, all in very uncertain circumstances. Ooh, yeah, it's, it's very weird. It's very creepy. It's very weird. Get ready for it. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> After Sarah covers that, the episode number three is going to be part two of Ed Kemper. And that's where I'm going to talk about all of his co-ed killings and all the grossness that ensues. Because if you know about Ed Kemper, you know what I'm talking about. If you know, you know. You know? Oh, it's so gross. It's so good. I'm so excited. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'll see you guys next week. Bye.